0: College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register.
1: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now, it's time to drop some knowledge.
0: Welcome in, everybody. Welcome, Broncos country. Good evening, Broncos country. And welcome to the newest installment of the Mile High Huddle podcast. I am your host for this evening, flying solo, as you can see, Zach Kelberman. Chad Jensen is on vacation. Our producer, Scott, is out uh, with another obligation. I believe it's a family obligation. So it's me holding it down tonight, pretty sure I got the whole audience in here. Going to give it just a second. Uh, Let the numbers rise. I see it going up a little bit. Let me know in the comments, guys. I'm coming in loud and clear. Everything's good. I didn't mess this up too bad in my inaugural solo pod on the MHH Network. Let me know, guys. But see a like. I see the live. I see Dale Fleming in here. I see Kevin Gray in here. I see Mark Hoynack in here. Another day closer to football. Sweet. Yes, one more day closer to football. I think it's 88 days, the Marius Thomas number of days away until the Broncos season starts in Seattle. Okay, I think we're live, guys. I wanted to give it a second. It's a walk in the park for me, folks. Anyone who remembers 24-7 sports when I did Facebook Live solo pretty much five nights a week, you guys know this is old hat for me. I'm actually pretty excited to be on here solo, talk some Broncos. The topic of the podcast this evening is the winners and losers from OTAs, from minicamp, from practices, and I see a comment from Dale that I agree with. It's hard to, I don't know, have a loser picked out in voluntary practices and minicamp practices, but there were a few. I had to kind of scratch my head and maybe stretch a little bit. There were way more winners than losers. I'm going to get to that this evening. It's going to be a fun conversation, guys. I'll be on here for about an hour. I'm going to keep it a little more fast-paced than usual, I think. It's just my style. I'm solo, so I want to address the audience if I can. Again, good evening, Dale. Good to see you. We got Dylan in here, the moderator. Sup, up, Broncos country? Dylan uh, says, as always, uh, what's up, Ernie? Uh, what's up, Mike Homner? What's up, Mile High Mike? Hello, all. What's up, Jason? R.I.P. DT. Absolutely. It's still, it's still crazy to me that we're even saying that, but definitely R.I.P uh, DT. And I want to start off before I don't have, you know, Scott tonight, so it's going to be me Handling the comments and the supers, I'm gonna address the supers when they come in. So we got Casey 499 super. Thank you so much, Casey. Hope you're having a wonderful evening. Casey goes should have called me up to fill it. Ha ha! You're gonna crush it, so let And I appreciate that, Casey. Yeah, next time I got you, man, for sure. We'll uh we'll double team this podcast and have a good time. But yeah, I've been I've been looking forward. You know, uh, a couple people have their own show. Kim has her own show Becking the Broncos. Thomas Hall has Legends of Mile High. I've been, you know, itching to get back in the solo realm for quite a minute, just between you and me. So I'm excited about the opportunity. I see Kathy Lund hopping in, Mark Schrader, Charles Tudor hopping in, uh, Chris uh, Carruthers. Solo is the way to go. Get your own pod, LOL. Maybe. Maybe have to uh, maybe talk with Chad about that. But, uh, okay, I'll get this. Clint Ashworth, good evening. What are your thoughts on Barrett Baron Browning this season. Okay, so, you know, the, the number of people, the viewers might be a slower evening, a sleepy Thursday evening. I know a lot of you are out and about. It's a wonderful June 16th evening, summer evening. Y'all don't want to be on your phones, your computers, listening to a podcast. But those who are, I definitely appreciate it, like Clint. And Clint goes, good evening. What are your thoughts on Bear Browning? Um, I realize I read that twice. You know, if anyone on here knows, I'm not the biggest fan of the transition to a full-time outside linebacker, if he is full-time. I thought he killed it at inside linebacker. I thought he gave the Broncos what they haven't had in quite some time, maybe since Danny Trevathan, an inside linebacker that can run sideline to sideline, that can fill the gaps, that can cover tight ends, that can run with running backs, that can do uh, the things that Todd Davis and Josie Jewell can't. So that's number one. I thought he could build on a really solid rookie season, and I thought Ajiro Evero, the new DC, is perfect for what Baron Browning's skill set has to offer. But apparently, Ajiro uh, Evero came in and saw Baron as more of an edge rusher, kind of uh, hearkening back to what he did in college at Ohio State. He was an inside and outside guy. But it just smacks to me, Clint, of Demarcus Walker syndrome, where he was good as a young player at one spot, or you can build upon that as a young player. And now you're complicating him and putting him in two different sets of positions, responsibilities. It's a lot for him to learn in a new defensive playbook. You know, if this was Vic Fangio doing this and here he already had a year under Vic Fangio, that'd be one thing. That'd be better for me. But the fact that it's a new playbook, it's a new defense. Yeah, a lot of it's the same, but there's new verbiage, there's new language, there's new te- technical things about the playbook. I would prefer Baron Browning to remain at off ball, especially since your other off ball guys are Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton, and uh, Jonas Griffith. Not exactly, you know, Luke Keekley and Patrick Willis among that group. So I hope, For the Broncos' sake, you know, Barrett Browning can uh, cut it at outside linebacker Evero and Nathaniel Hackett believe in having waves and waves and waves of pass rushers. It's what they love. It's what they want. And you know what? To their credit, Randy Gregory's down after shoulder surgery until training camp or maybe even week one. Jonathan Cooper's down until training camp with a finger... uh, Surgery, finger, uh, tendon injury. So maybe there was uh, smart foresight in moving Browning to outside linebacker. But I will be the first to say I told you so if he bombs at OLB. But but that's going to do it for Baron Browning this moment. I see some other comments coming in. I want to highlight them as I, we like to do on this show, we don't do it enough. Anyone, again, who watched me on 24-7 Sports back in the day on Facebook, I used to go like line by line and thank and talk to everyone. We don't get that opportunity, but maybe tonight that'll change. Donnie says, you and Shadow are the best together, my favorite duo. Thank you so much, Donnie. Hope you're not related to Carson Wentz. That would be a tragedy, but we do appreciate your uh, contributions and your uh, gratitude. Edward Keating, good to see you at 499 Super. What's up, everyone? I'm so ready for football. Training camp starts in about a month, and then preseason, and then the season, DB4L, let's ride. I was actually just thinking this to myself um, maybe an hour ago. It's crazy that when the season ends, you think to yourself, oh, my God, it's going to be forever until we get football back. It's going to be forever until these seven, eight months goes by. And then you look up, and then, well, it's, you know – the scouting combine and then it's a free agency and then it's the draft and then it's a mini camp and then it's training camp. And before you know it, we're going to be in Seattle watching the Broncos kick the crap out of Drew Locke slash Smith and the Seahawks. It's going to go really fast. I'm really excited. I'm counting down the days, 88 more to go and they can't come any faster. We got Michael Ronquillo hopping in here. Good evening, Zach, on the Mile I Huddle podcast. Let's ride and go, Broncos. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Michael. We got Howie freaking day in the freaking building. What's up, Broncos country? Who else is ready for the season to start? Is the defense great and the offense better? or I mean, you know, if I had a lottery ticket, Howie, I wouldn't be on here doing a podcast right now. I'm going to just assume, though, that the offense with Russell freaking Wilson and the weapons that he has and the backfield and this and that and the coaching, Nathaniel Hackett, They're going to be better to start off. The defense might have some hiccups with a new system. Maybe some players are slow to get acclimated like Randy Gregory, Baron Browning, Cooper, what have you. But when they click, maybe later in the season, when they come on strong, they're going to be probably, in my view, a top 10 unit. So the Broncos, realistically, not, you know, homeristically, realistically, the Broncos could have a top five or top 10 offense and a top five or top 10 defense and a lot of wins. This fall can't wait for it. Howie Jeff Noyes. Good evening, Zach Dylan, and Broncos country. Good evening to you, Jeff. What else we got here? We got the producer chiming in, even though he's, uh, off tonight. We got Scott hopping in Zach, holding it down tonight. Yes, sir. You know, I will, uh, hold it down and make y'all happy. Make y'all proud of me. Mark Schrader. Thank you so much for the stars. Mark. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, it's too dang hot in the Pacific Northwest Oasis. It's hot everywhere. It really is. I, I, can I go on a rant for a second? We got some time. We're nine minutes deep. It's a, a slower podcast tonight. I hate the summer. I mean, I, I don't understand why people prefer to be hot and sweat and don't and then prefer that to like the fall, the winter. It's crisper. You walk around, put a jacket on, have some cocoa, some marshmallows. To me, there's no positive about walking outside and sweating right away and becoming dehydrated by going to get your mail. I have never been a fan of summer and this summer feels, and it hasn't even officially started yet, but this summer feels like the hottest summer on record in quite a while. No political narrative there to push. I'm just saying I walk outside, I feel my skin sweating, and I do not like it. I definitely prefer uh, fall and winter. I prefer to be cold than be hot any day of the week. why I I don't know about y'all, but I, I like to sleep like 70, 71 degrees. That thermostat goes above 73. I have a problem, a big problem. So. Um, we got Kathy agreeing and Dylan agreeing preaching. I, you're one of, you know, we're, we're sharing a brain on that Dylan for sure. I just can't stand uh, the summer, but I, you know, I I respect all viewpoints and uh, a lot of people take vacations and it's their time off before the fall and the winter. So I get that. But anyway, guys, enough weather talk. And this is true real quick before we get back to football, Michael Davis can't beat September in Colorado. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, Really nice. It really is. Colorado has the best weather because it's never, even when it's hot like now and July and parts of August, it's still a drier heat. You come to the South, you come to other parts of the country. It's just a humid, hot, sticky, muggy heat that I cannot deal with. Manscaped cannot help me enough uh, deal with that heat. we got Albert Day hopping in here. Good evening, Zach, in Broncos country. you think that Manning's record, 55 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards passing, is that, I guess, uh, for Russell Wilson, is that doable? Oh, man. You know, I don't want to say he's going to challenge Peyton in year one. I think there could be a a transitional period. The Broncos, they're not going to go undefeated, and I don't think that— And I love Russell Wilson. I I really, really do. But if you look at the quarterbacks objectively, I think all things being equal, you know, Peyton Manning at 33 was a lot better at Russell Wilson than 33. So— If he's going to throw for 55 touchdowns and beat Peyton Manning's record, 5,000 yards, that's, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit on that. I would be okay with 4,000 passing yards and 40 touchdowns or 38 touchdowns. I think that's going to be a a more realistic number and still a damn good number, by the way. I mean, he's going to put up like Star Wars numbers relative to what the Broncos have had since Peyton Manning. But between the running game and the Broncos defense and what they're going to do on that side of the ball and the special teams with Montrell Washington, I don't think Russell Wilson will be called upon to put up those kind of numbers. He's going to have a running game led by Javante and then you have Melvin Gordon. It's going to take the pressure off Russell Wilson, as will the defense. So I, I'm not you hold a gun to my head. I'm not I'm going to say no. He doesn't break Manning's record. He doesn't, you know, eclipse those numbers. But like I said, he gets in the 4,000-yard territory, you know, 38, 40 passing touchdowns. I'm a happy, happy camper. I really, really am. All right, what else we got here? We got Mike saying cold equals Broncos football. Yeah, I mean, that's why I associate, like, the colder weather, the chilly weather, it's football. See, there's no better time of year, guys, than, like, September through January. I know it gets colder toward January, but football season, you got Thanksgiving, Christmas, Halloween, really is the best time of the year. I really can't stand summer, but that's a whole other podcast. Maybe I'll start a weather podcast brought to you by Mile High Huddle. Keep that in mind. But before we uh, we got Gary Leeds Palmer, GLP, the legend. Hi, Zach, I missed your intro. Is this just tonight? Looking forward to your solo run. This is looking to be a really balanced team, and I think that bodes well. I'm pretty sure it will be a one-and-done for me unless we make this a permanent thing y'all have to holler at chad if you want to see that happen but going forward while chad's on vacay scott's gonna hop in with me when he's available so someday when we're back on the podcast scott will be joining me but uh for now it's me for the next 45 minutes or so so enjoy it glp let's uh have some fun tonight uh do you have guys have any plans to crash any breweries and, and go live with mhh no those aren't in our plans just yet michael but uh Stay tuned. Anyway, okay, so let's get on to the topic of the podcast. Why y'all are here tonight, joining me, winners and losers from Broncos OTAs. Okay, so I have my handy-dandy list right here. I put it together for y'all. I was nice and kept. So, winners, say it with me, guys. Russell Wilson. I mean, is that obvious? He's the new Broncos quarterback. He's the new face of the franchise. And I'm not just saying that because he is Russell Wilson. I'm saying that because when the trade was official, he flew to Colorado and went to a children's hospital with Sierra. I mean, he was already an impact individual in the community. So, yeah, he was a home run right off the bat. Everything he's done since then on the field, off the field, A++ plus across the board. So he's winner number one. Number two is an extension of Russell Wilson. A couple extensions coming up, actually, is Javante Williams. And I'm not saying that because Melvin Gordon stayed away from voluntary OTAs. I'm saying that because anytime Javante was given the opportunity as a runner or pass catcher, where he's making his bones, by the way, more and more, he's looked really good. Explosive. He has that breakout appeal, and he's one of the few Broncos players, especially on offense, that's getting national breakout attention. He's getting national praise. Everyone is on the Pookie train. Everyone wants to see Williams be the RB1. So I'm going to say uh, he's definitely a winner from this offseason from OTAs and minicamp and also the receivers. I'm not just I have an article, guys, going up right after the podcast about Kendall Hinton. My point in saying that was it's not just. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. It's not just the obvious receivers that are the winners of the offseason. It's the likes of Tyree Cleveland and Seth Williams and Travis Fulgham and Kendall Hinton. These are the guys that, by having Russell Wilson, they become better receivers. They become playmakers, and you can't have too many of those. So all down the board, from number one to number six or seven, maybe number eight, the receiving room is top-notch in Denver right now, and they're going to have to make some hard decisions uh, at final cut down uh, the, the deadline about that. And an extension of the receiving room who's had a great off season and people are writing him off and you can write him off at your own expense is Albert Okuwebunam. I can spell it. I can pronounce it. I am envisioning a breakout season for Alberto. It's going to be a big component, guys, of the Hackett out in offense, the tight end involvement not just using them as decoys or screens like Rich Scangarello used to call actual passes to a tight end, getting them the ball in space, letting them do what they do in the open field. That goes for Albert, Albert O, but also Greg Dolcich goes for freaking Eric Saubert, Eric Tomlinson, Andrew Beck, any tight end on this Broncos roster will be involved on offense. But the number one guy based on highlight reels, the team has put out based on tweets, based on reports, rumors, speculation, and common sense. Albert Okuwebinom has had a fantastic OTA period, offseason period, working with Russell Wilson. He might be the most slept-on Broncos starter far away, Albert O. And he, individually, personally, is going to make a lot of people eat their words, especially the people that were sad to see Noah Fant go and thought that Albert O should have been traded to Seattle in that deal, or the ones that want Dulcich to start right away even though he hasn't been participating toward the latter end of OTAs. I'll get to him in just one second. Still my winners, though, I have the offensive line coming in at a few spots, Dalton Reisner and Lloyd Cushenberry. They've had, objectively, good offseasons. They've earned praise from their coaches, Nathaniel Hackett. They've earned praise from Russell Wilson. They seem to be thriving a lot better in Butch Berry's scheme. And on this podcast, Chad and I were among the very, 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 very few Who would openly criticize Mike Munchak last year to the extent that, you know, maybe Mike Munchak isn't perfect. Maybe he's not this wizard that he can make any lineman be a pro bowler. It didn't seem to work out for any lineman except for Garrett Bowles. And even in that case, Garrett Bowles kind of regressed last season after a 2020 campaign where they purposely weren't calling a lot of holding penalties. But in this scheme... In the wide zone scheme, more athletic, uh, a, a more of a zone-blocking scheme, you have Dalton Reisner holding it down to left guard. I think he's the, the penciled-in starter at left guard right now. And Cushenberry, no one is challenging him. No one is challenging him for center. I know y'all think uh, there are a couple interior players could, could uh, kick over like Miners, uh, Glasgow could kick over to center. No. All indications are it's Cushenberry's job to lose, and he's done nothing to lose it yet. Again, the support of Russell Wilson, the coaching staff, outward praise. Those two offensive linemen stood out to me this offseason. I hope you all agree about that. It's kind of a divisive topic because a lot of people don't like Cushenberry. I see Blaze saying we got to keep Cushenberry. Yeah, I mean, I've been a fan of his from day one pretty much. He's had a bad rap playing under Pat Shermer, Vic Fangio, and playing with the quarterbacks he's played with his first two years. He'll be a lot better with Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. But turning my attention to the defense, my winners on defense, there are so many to name. Pretty much every Broncos player was a winner in OTAs and minicamp and and those kind of things. But who stood out to me? Patrick Sertan. I mean... Enough said. The guy is going to be a freaking perennial all pro. He's going to be a top five corner, maybe top three, top two corner as soon as the 2022 campaign. But he had a pick six of Russell Wilson. He had two picks, and I think a matter of like three or four practices. He is always around the football. And I don't care what pro football focus said, I don't care what any national media member said. Patrick Sertan was one of the best cornerbacks in football as a rookie last year, and he was that playing on a defense that didn't maximize what he could have done in terms of takeaways and playing in an injury riddled secondary where he was the guy from almost day one. He's still the guy, but now he's in year two, playing under Evero and playing on a much better team. Uh, he's looked as advertised, PS2 has. Cannot wait to watch him uh, this season. And also, another divisive guy on defense, a winner from OTAs and minicamp, is Bradley Chubb. And Chad and I have talked about him. As OTAs have went on, we've talked about the players that are standing out consistently. You read the tweets, you read the stories, the practice reports, you read the rumors, you read what we're reporting, the analysis – Almost every practice, Bradley Chubb's name comes up. He's been disruptive, getting after Russell Wilson. Yeah, I know it's not a game. He can't really sack him. It's simulated, blah, blah, blah. But if it was a game, he'd be getting sacks. If it was a game, he'd be getting pressure. He seems to have that explosion back. He seems to be looking like the Bradley Chubb of 2018 when we all thought he was the next Von Miller. I don't know if he'll be the next Von Miller, but if he can go back to being 2018 Bradley Chubb, I will gladly take that. He's also getting better against the run. And what I was going to say was that was his weakness, you know, as a rookie. He wasn't setting the edge. He was struggling there. According to Evero, he's done a really good job setting the edge, defending the simulated run plays that are being called in practice. So we all kind of uh, crapped on Bradley for being injured and, and being a fifth overall pick and not living up to his draft expectation. And if we have to criticize him for that, rightly so, We can also credit him, rightly so, for what he's done this offseason. I just hope he builds on it in training camp and the preseason. I hope he stays healthy because if he does, playing opposite Randy Gregory, Nick Benito, the rest of the defense, uh, he could have a 12-15 to sack uh, campaign this coming season. It could be realistic for Bradley Chubb. I'm going to pause there, catch my breath, and also uh, get to some of the comments. Again, guys, I do not have... I don't know why I left that comment on there the whole time. That's my fault. See, this is why I need Scott, man. I'm, I'm by myself tonight. It's hard to kind of navigate everything. I'm going to try, though, for y'all. I'm going to do it for y'all. But um, uh, David Bingaman saying, hey, Zach, what can we say to send you off on a rant? Pick something and let her rip. I don't know. Start to talk nicely about Vic Fangio. Call him a genius or say Melvin Gordon should be the Broncos starting running back. One of those two should get me going. I feel my blood pressure rising by saying those two names. So you want to get me on a rant? That's the, <laughs> that's the secret. Matt Smith asking, do we have a start date of training camp yet? Not uh, that I'm aware of, Matt. I think it'll be like it always is, late July, last week of July. I don't want to give a wrong date, but last week of July, look out for the Broncos to start training camp, which will be open to the public fully. So you can go check your Broncos out if you are in the markets We got Andrew Baker saying, just got home from Suns baseball game. Cool to see Zach Killing. Appreciate you, Andrew. Hope the baseball game went well. We got Clint Ashworth saying, uh, Albert O could be the next Julius Thomas. Maybe. I mean, there's really nothing to suggest that he can't. He's never going to be a George Kittle in terms of a a full uh, set, full skilled blocker, a three down player where he can block and catch. He's always going to be a wide receiver in a tight ends body, but that's fine. There's utility for that. You can win with that. That can help out Russell Wilson. That's what Julius Thomas was, and I agree with you. If he stays healthy, cleans up his drops, and and takes that next step in his game, Alberto could look a lot like uh, Orange Julius in a Broncos uniform. What else do we got? I'm going to uh, keep scrolling through the comments before I get to defense with my winners. Oh, it's not defense. It's just losers. Sorry, guys. We're we're, (laughs) going to go over the losers in a second. I'm going to get to some of the questions, though. no, you got to try harder, Mike. Vic's clock management was stellar. You got to try harder than that, man. Now nah, I'm not going to rant about that. We got Kathy from the pressers with Russell Wilson. It seems like he's got a lot of love for Kendall Hinton. Do you see Hinton as being kind of a dark horse to watch for? Again, Kathy, I literally have the article about to publish. I was working on it right before it went time to uh, go live. It will be up right after the podcast. And it does seem like he's a dark horse. And like I wrote in the story, he has the support of Russell Wilson, as you'll see in the story, and Russell Wilson just gushed about him. And he also has the ability to spell Russell Wilson. He can back up Russell Wilson if necessary. So you figure the Broncos, let's say they keep six wide receivers. I think five could be a little conservative. Let's say they keep six, okay? The locks, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, K.J. Hamler, and Montreal, Washington. It leaves like... Three players, three or four players competing for one spot. Those players are Kendall Hinton, Seth Williams, Travis Fulgham, and Tyree Cleveland. Those are the realistic options. And among that, you got to think Kendall Hinton has the upper hand. If they are going to keep six, right now, Kendall Hinton would be the sixth, as far as I'm concerned. You'll see in the story, I hate to tease it so much, but check it out. Mylahuddle.com, he, Russell Wilson, is a gaga over some Kendall Hinton. Hall of Famer. Kendall hidden. It should be added. Uh, Sam Bam hopping in. Only offseason question that matters. Will the Broncos have a field day? Oh, you guys want to see me rant? You want to see me rant? Okay, you mentioned field day, Sam Bam. Let me crack my knuckles. It's rant time. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you... I'm thinking of what The Rock used to say. It doesn't matter what you think. I'm going to call them out, all right? Other podcasts wouldn't do it. I'm going to do it. James Merliott from the fan. That's the resident local hot take artist. It's what he lives for. And I'm actually doing what he wants right now by talking about him. So I'm going to make this short and sweet. It doesn't freaking matter that they had a field day. And also, it doesn't matter what James Merliott has to say about the Broncos having a field day. It doesn't matter. The Broncos canceled 1-1 a singular one practice in June that is not going to matter it's not going to matter in September, October, November, December, January, February because the Broncos will be competing for a Super Bowl. Now, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Every team does this. Hey, I can't remember the team. I think it was the Eagles or the Jaguars. It might have been the Jaguars that outright like canceled mini camp for veterans or only had rookies come in. Different teams have different methods. You don't have to have every single practice for the entirety of the offseason. A field day is about camaraderie. It's about having fun. That's how you build relationships with your players and your coaches and your teammates and the people going to war with you every single day. It's how you build that human element. These guys are not robots. They're not drones. Yeah, they're highly paid, world-class athletes for sure, but they're human beings. And human beings want to have field days. They want to go bowling. They want to do egg toss. They want to do the egg on the spoon. Whatever they did, water balloons. I want to do that. It doesn't matter who you are. It's fun. That's the whole point of it. And everyone killed Vic Fangio for never having fun in practice and being this curmudgeon who crossed his arms. And now there's a Broncos coach having fun again and bringing fun back to Dove Valley, and they're still getting criticism. But that's what that person wants. So I'm not going to give him the attention the breath, the energy that he's looking for. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Edward Keating, uh, one ninety nine super. Thank you so much. Ed PS is a great OC. Zach. He wasn't that bad. Uh, I thought you was talking about pastor tan. No, Pat Shermer. You're going to have to try hard already. Gonna have to try harder than that. Clayton, <laughs> Clayton Heron, solo Zach. Yeah, buddy. Appreciate you. Uh, Clayton hopping in here. Let me clean up some of these, uh, some of the questions, what else we got? You guys agree with me? You got preach Zach. We got, you know, goes that go. You guys agree, right? It doesn't matter. I mean, it your jobs, wherever you work, it doesn't matter. The occupation doesn't matter what you make. It doesn't matter what you do. If your boss said, we're not going to work today, guys, we're going to go out and go bowling. We're going to go play laser tag. It doesn't really matter what we're doing. Would anyone be opposed to that? Would you not look at your boss in a, in a kinder way, a gentler way if he said that? Would you not want to come to work the next day knowing that there's incentive for working hard and busting your ass every single day? I don't understand it. And it's that one person doing it. That's when you should know to look at the source of the, uh, the, cl- the pearl clutching, uh, of the condemnation, of the criticism. It's the one person who's doing it because that's what his job is. That's what he gets off on. Don't give him the satisfaction. It doesn't matter. Michael was a cornhole champ in 21. That's pretty cool, Michael. Uh, don't tell uh, James at though. He might come after you. Uh, okay, so the comments are kind of slowed down. What time is it? We got about a half the show. God, 28 minutes in. This guy is, This is crazy how fast it goes, guys. Crazy how fast it goes. We got the losers. All right. So half the show was about the winners. The second half of the show is about the losers from OTAs. And again, my, my disclaimer on this is it's hard to pick losers from voluntary practices and OTAs. And I'm not going to be hypocritical because if if a field day didn't matter, then you can't put so much stock in off season work or players who didn't come to practice. Would I like them to be there like Melvin Gordon? Yeah. But am I like saying, cut him? Don't ever, you know, play him because he wasn't there. No, it, it doesn't really matter. So, that being said, here's players that their stock kind of took a little hit in my point of view. And let me know if I'm wrong. Feel free to disagree. We'll banter. We'll debate. I'm going to start with Melvin Gordon. That was, it was a layup, but you guys knew it was coming. He begged, literally through the media, begged to come back to the Broncos. He was a free agent for months and months and months. No one even sniffed Melvin Gordon for reasons that we don't know. Probably money. Okay. And he comes back on a one year, one year deal, two and a half million dollars, another 1.5 available via incentives. It's a far cry from the 8 million bucks he was making as the Broncos quote unquote starter. He wanted to come back. He came back. He got resigned. He wanted to play with Russell Wilson. He got his wish. And what does he do? He stays away from practice. Okay. So did Kareem Jackson. So did some other players, but they had excuses. Melvin Gordon had no excuse. The excuse was he didn't want to. And that's not a leader to me. Why should every other player be there busting their asses and you're not going to be there? You're a a former pro bowler. You're one of the more senior players on the team. Uh, Your your fellow running backs and players respect you. Why wouldn't you want to be there learning a new playbook, being around a fun coach like Nathaniel Hackett, who loves your smile, Melvin? Why wouldn't you be there? There is no reason for him not to be there. And then for him to say, yeah, I'll be at minicamp, mandatory, because I don't want to get fined. It just sends the wrong message to me. And I would say this if it was any player. If I love Cortland Sutton. But if Cortland Sutton said this, I would be criticizing him too. It's not a leader mentality. Then he's on Twitter saying he's not selfish and, and being so sensitive and being so reactionary to every tweet about him. It's like, who cares? Go out and play football. Help the Broncos become a better team. You got what you wanted. Now go put the work in. So to me, yeah, he was a loser and considering a loser in this conversation about OTAs and minicamp, his stock took a hit because also uh, Pookie shined in his absence and it was more apparent that it's Pookie's backfield as it should be. So Melvin Gordon, loser number one. Loser number two is Greg Dulcich and I can't hold injuries uh, too much against Greg and I can't hold my bias against Greg in the sense that I don't think the Broncos should have went with a tight end where he went, Um, but it's just, a, a, It's a, availability is the best ability. It's a numbers game. And there's, I don't know what's going on with Dulcich. He has some sort of soft tissue injury and Nathaniel Hackett is uh, very vague about. We don't know what's bothering him, but he hasn't practiced Dulcich in a couple weeks. He missed mandatory camp. He missed the last set of OTAs. We don't know. He's out until training camp. It sounds okay. But in his absence, Alberto has really shined. So in that technical aspect, I'm going to say Dulcich was a loser of this offseason. Also, again, I can't hold injuries too much against him, but Billy Turner, I'm not the biggest Billy Turner fan, but he has a little knee injury. He had a a knee injury that continued from last season. It's prevented him from getting on the field, and in his stead, you've had players, even Sebastian Gutierrez, who, he's an undrafted rookie. He's gotten first-team reps. Tom Compton, Calvin Anderson, they've all stepped up. And taking first string reps at right tackle for a guy that's in a a three-way competition to start at right tackle, Billy Turner, who came back to the Broncos.
1: As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the
0: most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash assessment
1: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
0: After a stint in Green Bay, I don't know. I get, um, I got to stop, Michael, leaving your comments on the screen when I'm talking. I don't know. I, I get maybe, and it's not his fault I'm transferring this to him, but I'm getting like uh Juwan James vibes from uh, Billy Turner. It's just another knee injury where he can't compete and they signed him to star and he's not starting. So I'm going to say again, technically speaking, Billy Turner was a loser from OTAs in the offseason. But again, loser is a very loose, soft term. There were way more winners. This offseason was monumental for the Broncos. It was amazing. It was uh, transcendent for the Broncos. But I had to come up with a list of losers, and these are the guys. Feel free to disagree. My last two, my last two losers, he got me ranting a little bit about field day, and now I'm sweating. My last two losers are on special teams. My number one loser on special teams is Sam Martin. And that's apparent because of his contract. You guys know that. He's a cap number of plus uh, north of $2 million. And he never was, you know, Ray Guy. He, he's never been this, this field flipper. He's never been this weapon on special teams. And a lot of that or some of that may be due to Tom McMahon and the previous coaching staff. But when you have Corliss Waitman in OTAs and minicamp, who he was a former Raiders left-footed punter, they have a left-footed punter and a right-footed punter, a.k.a. there's a full-blown competition, which Dwayne Stooks, uh acknowledged. And the best man is going to win that competition, and it might be Corliss Waitman, who would be a lot cheaper, and he has a bigger leg that would help the Broncos, especially in the mile-high altitude, flip field position and, and help the, uh, the team on that side of the ball. So if they can cut Sam Martin, I would recommend that. If they feel good about Waitman, I would clear that $2.5 million, whatever it is, I would put it toward Russ or another tackle or somebody else, but uh, Sam Martin did nothing to me this offseason based on what we know, based on what was said, uh, that would lead me to believe his stock is trending up. I think the Broncos are looking for a replacement, and once they find one, they will not hesitate uh, to uh, move on from Sam Martin. And my last guy on my losers list. It's hard to think of it, again, because there's not a lot of losers in uh, Dove Valley these days. Those losers are long gone. They went with uh, Vic Fangio. Brandon McManus, kicker, the lone remaining player from SB50. McMoney, formerly known as McMoney. He hasn't been McMoney in uh, a couple of years at least now. For the same reason why Melvin Gordon didn't show up, that's why McManus didn't show up. He just didn't feel like he had to. It wasn't necessary. He admitted, McManus did, that he was training in Florida, I think it was, with Sam Martin. He was training away from the facility. And when he was asked about not coming to voluntary OTAs, which are voluntary, it's within his right, I get that, he said, well, I get paid to make kicks in September, October, November, December, January, etc., Yeah, but it's part of the obligation, you know, written or unwritten, unspoken to be there with your team. If you can practice, you should practice. You have a new head coach. You have a new special teams coordinator. You're a a throwback to when the Broncos were successful. You're the last remaining link to that team. You're a leader. You're the NFLPA rep for the Broncos. Why are you not there? And, uh, you know, I don't think he's in danger of losing his job like Sam Martin. But the Broncos did have another kicker who they picked up, I believe, in as an undrafted free agent. They had him in competing. It's going to be McManus's job. But it just didn't sit overly well with me that he wasn't there. If you can be there, you should be there. It's really that simple. So those are my winners and losers. Uh, Let me know what you guys think of that list. I will uh, gladly... Debate it, talk about it with you. Maybe get a difference of opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me know. But I'm going to go through some of the comments. We have about eh, 23 minutes left. We have Blaze calling McManus a derogatory name. Clayton says it was spot on. Appreciate you, Clayton. Uh, Mr. O says, Pat McAfee showed some love to Zach Kelberman, shine, brother. Appreciate you, Mr. O, whoever you may be. Yeah, Pat McAfee brought up the uh, Russell Wilson story. He, he shouted out my tweet on the story, so that was kind of cool. Appreciate all the uh, the guys at uh, the Pat McAfee show. Good people. Uh, appreciate and respect their programming. We have Robert Ott- Otteson. $5 super. Thank you so much, Robert. Robert had a nightmare that the Sissy Hawks and Drew Locke kicked our butts on opening night. I'm glad it was just a dream. That wouldn't be cool. That's not a dream. That's a nightmare. And that's probably the worst case scenario uh, for the Broncos, man. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't. Torpedo their season. Like I wouldn't say, oh, the Broncos' season's over because they lost in week one. That's a tough. You know, you look back on the emotional aspect of the game, the 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 psychological aspect of the game. That's tough. You know, you're a new coach like Hackett. You're a GM like George Payton. You bring in Russell Wilson. You have this team that's stocked in so many areas. You have the most hype you've had in in quite a while, years. And you're gonna go on national television, Monday Night Football, week one. And not only lose to Russell Wilson's former team, but your former quarterback, who you replaced, uh, you know, you, you got rid of for Russell Wilson and Drew Locke or Geno Smith. Oh, man, that's a hard one for the Broncos to come back on. And, and, and you know what? In the first half of the Broncos schedule, there's a lot of games they should win because it gets a lot more difficult in the second half. Seattle, I don't care what you all say. Vegas agrees with me. The Broncos should win this game. They're three and a half point favorites as of right now. That's being a road team. There's no reason on paper why the Broncos should lose this game. Zero. But if they do, it doesn't set the right tone for the rest of the year. That's all I'm saying. And I will say that if they do. I don't think they will, though. I think it's actually going to be more of a blowout than uh, than I am worried about the Broncos losing this game. I can see the Broncos going in there, taking care of business, and walking out without breaking a sweat. I really can't see the Broncos losing this game, but we shall see. It's why the games are played. We got Michael Room. That sounds like a new name, and I'm going to say it to myself because I don't have Chad Chad or Scott here tonight. Welcome, Michael. If you are new, if you're not, well, I appreciate you hopping back into the podcast. Michael asks, how has Caden Stearns looked in OTAs? You know, it's funny that you say that, Michael, because I was thinking of putting Caden's name down, and I wasn't thinking about the winner's list. Unfortunately, I was thinking about the loser's list he, I, I haven't heard much. You know, I, I go through all the tweets. I read all the reports. I, I gather what I can gather from OTAs in practice. And I did not hear or see Stearns, name called that often. I'm not going to denounce him. I'm not going to condemn him. I'm not going to say, Oh, well, you know, he's not going to start and he's not going to ever be a, a factor for the Broncos defense. I'm big Caden Stearns guy. And I still think he's the future of the safety position opposite Justin Simmons. He is, well, Kareem Jackson is right now a starter, a full time starter. He in, in the future, but he's been kind of quiet in, in off season work and uh through the first leg of the off season program under Ajiro Evero, who by the way was a, a secondary coach in LA. So I don't know what to take of that. I, I would say if training camp goes on, like if it's like mid August, like if it's August 16th right now, guys, and Caden Stearns, we haven't heard anything from him. Yeah, I'm starting to panic. Then I'm thinking, well, maybe. Everett being a, a secondary guy, if, if Stearns can't thrive under him, then maybe there's a problem. But on June 16th, I'm not falling for the overreaction. I, he, the sky is the limit for Caden Stearns. And if he gets the opportunity, I, I think he will thrive. All right. What else do we got? What else do we got? Kayleon Green says, uh oh, I see you, Zach, handling biz solo. Appreciate you, Kayleon. This is fun, man. It really is. Like, I've missed doing solo shows, I miss uh, talking to you guys. And just ranting and not taking a breath and sweating. It's just, it, it's a nice throwback to years ago. So appreciate you guys joining me tonight. Uh, we got John Juno. John asking, who do you see starting at tight end, Greg or Albert? John, if you listen to the podcast tonight, I had Albert on my winner's list and Greg on my loser's list. So the answer there is obvious. Alberto will be the week one starter barring injury. He's well ahead of where Dulcich is. And, and to be fair, Dulcich always likely needed a year. Before he was ever going to be a full-time contributor or potential star tight end is such a hard position to transition from from college to the NFL and the Broncos already have plenty of receiving weapons, a tight end like Dulcich or even Alberto is the literal cherry on top. So Alberto is the veteran he's had great chemistry with Russell Wilson. Uh, Hackett and Outen have raved about Alberto. We have stories about it on the website. The Week One starter, again, barring injury, will be Albert Okwebonam, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. All right, what else do we got? What else do we got? I see uh, you're asking Pete. You wanted me to ask your uh, answer your stars question. I'm trying to get to all the questions, guys. Again, I don't have um, I don't have uh, Scott here. I don't have a producer here, so I'm trying to just scroll on my own. And this is true. This is definitely true. The winner, uh, uh, from the Broncos offseason. one of the winners is definitely Walmart and the Broncos, man. You know, now they have the richest owner in the NFL far and away, far and away. He's worth more money than like the next eight owners combined. That's a good shout, Kathy. I'm going to say Rob Walton and Walmart were definitely, uh, uh, winners from, from the offseason. David, I've, uh, David Marker asking how Baron Browning has looked. Apparently he's looked good as an edge rusher. I, uh, I don't like it. I think he should be off ball um, kind of against the double duty he's pulling or now the single duty at outside linebacker, but um, he's been explosive. He's been getting after the quarterback in simulated practices and sessions, and he's looking like uh, he could provide the Broncos some heat off the edge. I do agree with Hackett in the sense that you can never have too many pass rushers and the Broncos proved that in SB 50. They didn't just have Vaughn and DeMarcus Ware. Uh, They had, you know, Shaq Barrett, Shane Ray. They had a lot of guys coming after the quarterback. And that's what Hackett and uh, Evero want to replicate. So on that uh, point of view, that aspect, I can't hate too much on it. Uh, K-Hop says, imagine a scenario where Elon Musk bought the Broncos. Um, I don't know. I like Elon personally, so I'm not going to criticize him or clown him too much. He has a lot of money. He's free to do what he wants. I just hope he makes Twitter a better place because that's become quite the, uh, the cesspool. All right, Peter, uh, anyone change from your opinion from loser to potential star? That's a good question. Oh, man. You know, honestly, honestly, Peter and everybody else, I wasn't the biggest Alberto fan when he was drafted, and only because I still wanted to see what uh, the Broncos had in Noah Fant. Obviously, Fant didn't get his uh, chance, didn't get his due in Denver. I uh, didn't get his opportunity, and I was always kind of salty about that. So I wasn't just like the Broncos drafting Dulcich now. I wasn't crazy about the Broncos drafting Alberto when they had no offense. So I think that for sure is one guy who jumped out to me. From I wasn't too high on him. Then he had injuries. Then he had drop issues, and I was like, you know, no offense, say what you want about him. He's not those things. He doesn't have those problems. So from my personal point of view, not just what I've seen on tape, um, Alberto has gone from loser to uh, from the outhouse to the penthouse. That's where Alberto has been. And he's one guy that's um, uh, really shooting up the Broncos uh, the stock report. All right. What else? Let me know. Uh, Michael Ronquillo. Got to answer him. Michael asked, how did rookie Nick Benito do during Broncos minicamp? He, again, another guy that was uh, kind of worked in slowly. He had a Nick here. He had a, you know, just a little minor thing here and there. They're being really cautious the Broncos are. And rightly so. Nick Benito's a guy that is a luxury player on the Broncos defense. Right now, it should be about him getting bigger, getting stronger, uh, working on his lower body, getting better against the run. He can come in for, I don't know, 10 plays a game, 15 plays and rush the passer, but he has a lot of work to do in year one. So he's a luxury project for Evero and, and, and those defensive coaches. But I, I haven't heard anything bad from Nick Benito, but he's been kind of slow because he's been dealing with this or that he will ramp up in training camp. And I think he'll make a bigger impact in preseason. Um, but again, he's just a, um, a, a subplot on this defense until, uh, until proven otherwise right now it's Bradley Chubb. And when he gets back, it's Randy Gregory. Those are your edge rushers. Those are your guys. Uh, Mile high. Mike asks is Seth Williams impressing at minicamp? Yeah, this is a guy the Broncos have been high on since they drafted him. He has good college bloodlines a uh, player they were, they were pretty hyped about when they drafted. But, you know, uh, what was his name? Uh, Juwan, Juwan Winfrey. Remember him? The Broncos spent a late-round pick on him, I don't know, three, four years ago, and he just never materialized. It's the same thing that happened to Seth Williams. He could have been something. He could have been a number 4, number 5 guy, just never given the opportunity, never had the coaches, never had the quarterback. That's changed now. So again, it's maybe three players, three or four players competing for one receiver spot on the Broncos 53-man roster. And that's assuming they even keep six. If they keep five, then Williams and Hinton and Tyree Cleveland and Travis Fulgham, they have no chance. But if they keep six, then you're talking about Williams, Hinton, Fulgham, and Cleveland competing for one spot. One spot. And as of right now, Mile High Mike, I got to be honest, based on the way they're talking, Kendall Hinton would likely be that um number six guy if you had to form a roster tomorrow but Seth Williams he has the whole summer he has training camp he has the preseason if he makes do and if he stands out maybe he leapfrogs uh uh Kendall Hinton as a number six guy uh Zachary great name wheat hopping in that's a new name so uh good to see you Zachary again that's a uh fine fine and dandy name he says uh you think Michael Ojamudia can take over for Ronald Darby by end of season? I don't want to talk too nice about OJ because he blocked me on Twitter. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. You know, I, he, he's such a tough... I, I was thinking, should I put him on my loser's list because he was burned? And then I thought, no, because he made a couple plays also, and he's gotten some praise from uh, uh, Hackett and zero uh, Evero. I don't know... Oh man, it's so tough. By the end of the year, I think he could maybe be ready for full-time starting cornerback reps, but right now I'd be so terrified if, let's say, Darby got hurt and OJ was starting opposite Pat Sertan, I'd be so terrified of the Broncos' coverage and what they would allow through the year. Put it that way. I think he could be good, but he's a lot like Bradley Roby in that he'll wow you one play and then he'll make you scratch your head and throw your remote the next play. So I hope that consistency changes. I hope Everett gets through to him being a former secondary coach because, again, they need that next cornerback to step up. They really, really do. And as, as Ray points out, it's true that O.J. got praise from Patrick Sertan as well. He did. PS2's being a good teammate, you know, fellow cornerback. What else is he going to say? But he's definitely gotten some praise. If he can clean up the consistency issues, he could be a starting cornerback. Um, but they need it. They don't have anyone else. You go past Darby, Sertan, K1 Williams, who's the slot guy. Who do you really have on the depth chart? You're talking about Fayon Hicks and Asang Bassi. Those are easy players if Michael Ojumuria can just, you know, realize his potential to leap over. So I hope uh, I hope it happens for him, for sure. Even though, again, he blocked me on Twitter. That's not cool. Andrew Baker, <laughs> Zach, what do you think about week three, which is the meet and greet against the 49ers being the momentum game to start? People could write off Denver starting 2-0 against bad teams. Well, I mean, were they writing them off when the Broncos started 3-0 and last year? I think they were actually getting some attention. And uh, it was people like I and Shad were saying, well, Let's let them play a decent team, not the Jaguars, Giants, and Jets. Let's see what they do against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and the Broncos got their head kicked in in both games, and that kind of you know spelled the narrative for the season. So I don't know that they're going to be written off. If they go into Seattle, Andrew, on primetime television, and they take it to Pete Carroll and Drew Locke, and they make a statement, no one's going to write them off I, a lot of people won't doubt them anymore. You'll see all the bandwagoners coming out talking about uh, Russell Wilson and being a, a comeback player of the year or whatever, MVP. I don't think you're going to have to worry about writing Denver off if they start off 2-0 and because that first game is going to be the test. If they win that first game, if they win that first game convincingly, they're going to have all the, the wannabe Broncos fans, the same ones that are dissing them now, will be deleting those tweets to write positive things. So I'm excited for that game week three against the Niners because it's a primetime game. It's the meet and greet. Can't wait to see y'all out there. Can't wait to have fun at Empower Field slash Great Value Stadium. But I'm not worried about a mo- momentum game, excuse me, in week three. If the Broncos are 2-0, and it could be a game where they they go to 3-0 and and then the season really ramps up after that, after the first half. If they lose that game, they're still 2-1. and And there's a lot of season left to go. I'm looking forward to the matchup. I'm looking forward to... The Broncos Nathaniel Hackett versus Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. That's a fun game for a football fan to watch. All right, we got K Hop saying vote Fangio for commissioner. And that's just that's just unrealistic. It's not going to get me angry. All right, what what else do we got here? We got about ten minutes, guys. If you have any questions, we're about to wind it down. I'd be happy to answer them, but we are going to get going in about ten. So uh, let me know any comments, questions. Concerns, criticisms, I'm going to give one last look-see through the comments. And to Peter Middleton, anybody else, if I missed your comment, like your stars comment or any super, uh, we will address those on Sunday evening when I have my producer Scott next to me, either uh, on the screen with me or in the background. We'll get to you. We didn't ignore you. We see every, everyone, everything. We appreciate it all. Nothing goes unnoticed, but it's hard holding it down by your lonesome. So uh, just wanted to be known. Michael Homner, Mike Homner, excuse me for lengthening your name, asked, how is special teams looking? Good. And I can finally say that with a clear conscience, and I can finally look at you in this camera, look at you guys in your eyes, and say the Broncos special teams is in good hands. And after Brock Levo, after Tom McMahon, it's been a far fall from grace. Uh, from the likes of Joe G. Camillus, the last good Broncos STC that they had, I think, and it's not a hot take, it's not a take at all. Actually, Dwayne Stukes is my favorite Broncos assistant already, far and away. I I love Hackett, but the the intensity that Stukes has, the the no BS attitude that Stukes has, the accountability that Stukes wants to bring out in the Broncos, and the no we're not going to get by with the club med laissez-faire environment like under Tom McMahon. I'm a big, big Dwayne Stukes fan. I didn't know much about him before he was hired, but my God, am I happy Nathaniel Hackett uh, singled him out. George Payton got him uh, under contract with the Broncos because he's going to lead this unit back to prominence paired with Montreal, Washington, maybe a better season from Brandon McManus, more consistency, getting back to McMoney, this side of the ball It won't be bringing the Broncos down every Sunday, Monday, or Thursday. It will be helping the Broncos on those days. And that's because, as always, what does it start with, guys? I'll pause and wait for dramatic effect. Coaching, coaching, coaching. They didn't have it last year. They haven't had it for quite a while, as a matter of fact. They have it now in spades. And Dwayne Stooks, man, what a hire. What a guy. Like him a lot. All right. What else? What else? What else? Let me know, guys. This feels like the old days. Just, uh, I love it. I really do. All right. What else we got? What else we got? Uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey asked, could we trade for the linebacker Robert Quinn from the Bears? Well, he's more of a defensive end edge guy, but I wouldn't, you know, I, I think the Broncos are good. You know, they gave Randy Gregory $70 million. They used a second round pick on Nick Benito. They have uh, Brandon, Brandon, Bradley Chubb uh, thriving. Uh, They have players like Jonathan Cooper. They have players like Malik Reed. Uh, They have Baron Browning. They have even Christopher Allen, the UDFA from Alabama. They are fine at edge rusher. And to say nothing of Draymond Jones and DJ Jones, by the way, on the line. So, no, I'm not trading for Robert Quinn. I'm not taking on the contract. I'm not taking on the baggage. I'm not giving up a draft pick. I'm fine uh, where I'm at. Venom Seeker, what's the percentage of us being able to win an Arrowhead this year now with Wilson? I mean, well, every game, Venom is a 50-50 proposition, right? You win or you lose, so I'm going to say it's 50-50, but it wasn't 50-50 when you have Teddy Bridgewater versus Patrick Mahomes, when you have Andy Reid versus Vic Fangio. That's a major disadvantage. It's a major handicap. Your odds of winning are like 20%, and to their credit, in the Fangio era, they almost beat Kansas City a couple times, so they came pretty close with those quarterbacks, with those coaches. Now with Russell Wilson, this offense, this coaching staff, the the energy, and the 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 attitude, and the intensity, and the want to, is back in the Broncos building. It's a gimme. It's a pick'em. When they play, it doesn't matter if it's an Arrowhead at Denver. When they play, the Broncos can go toe-to-toe with Kansas City. They can go toe-to-toe with Mahomes. They can go toe-to-toe with Andy Reid. They have that firepower now. And I think it's fate accompli. They get at least one victory. They end that freaking streak. That's what's one of the plot lines from this season I am looking forward to the most. Ending that freaking streak. I can't wait for that to happen. It will happen. It might happen in Denver. That's the primetime game. But at Arrowhead, it'd be even sweeter. It is going to happen, though. They will split more than likely with Kansas City. I'm looking forward to it, man. The rain is coming to an end. That's that's what the Broncos' mentality has to be. They can't look at the Kansas City Chiefs as, as this unbeatable force because they have been beaten. And you can beat them. And now the Broncos have the firepower and the tools to do so. And you know what? They will do so. All right, what else? What else? I want to take one more question from Zachary Wheat because I'm biased against commenters with the name Zachary. Who are your sleeper players on the team to make the Pro Bowl this year? I got Draymond Jones. Yeah, that's number one for sure. Cortland Sutton wouldn't be a sleeper. Uh, Javante wouldn't be a sleeper. Obviously, Russ wouldn't be a sleeper. Would Tim Patrick qualify as a sleeper to make the Pro Bowl? I mean, there's going to be that other 1,000-yard receiver or close-to-it guy on the Broncos roster, I don't know if it's going to be Jerry Judy, though, or Tim Patrick. Maybe Tim Patrick could qualify. I'm thinking of a lineman that can make it. I don't see it. I don't see Bowles or I don't see him being a sleeper. I don't see Billy Turner making it at right tackle. I don't see Cushionberry making it. I don't see Alberto making it at tight end. On defense, sleeper. Man, I, Draymond's my choice, man. Draymond's my choice for sure. Patrick Sertan would not be a sleeper. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Zach. For sure. I'm going to say Draymond Jones is the sleeper, but you know what's great about sleeper status is that this time next year, he won't be a sleeper anymore. And I can't wait for Draymond to finally be the player he could be. They were not utilizing him the right way under Vic Fangio. His potential was always capped. There's no more ceiling on his potential under Evro on this defense. He is going to thrive. And the edge rushers that we've mentioned coming off around the corner, they're going to take the heat off Draymond Jones. They're going to draw double teams that Jones uh could take advantage of and vice versa. That's why this defense is going to be so fun to watch. It doesn't matter who gets after the quarterback, but the quarterback is going down hard. Um that was a good question though. I'm going to have to think about that for sure. That might be a um like a like an article or another podcast topic. That's a great great question. Um what else do we got? What else do we got? We have about I'm going to say about five minutes. I'll extend it for. uh, We got Trevor Sendell. Trevor asks, Zach, what differences have you seen from Russell Wilson at camp compared to the other quarterbacks, Locke and Bridgewater? That should excite people. Thanks, buddy. I mean, they're not named. He's not named Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. He's not them. He's Russell Wilson. Just him being Russell Wilson, you know, just him having that allure, him having that cachet and him being a former champion, a nine-time Pro Bowler, when he walks into a building, Everyone takes notice. When Teddy Bridgewater walks into a building, everyone falls asleep. It's just the reality. They He never was the one to galvanize the team. And neither was Vic Fangio. Neither was Pat Shermer. What's so great is it's not just Russ bringing that to the Broncos. You have a head coach and Hackett that can double as a cheerleader for Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense. He has so much energy, you get tired of it after a while. That's what's so great. It's it's a, it's a a uplifting environment to be in again. That's why field day was actually a good idea, not a bad idea. But honestly, take away the fact that his, his moon balls, his deep passes, Russell Wilson are a thing of beauty. Take away what he can do with his right arm, with his legs in the huddle. The intangible qualities of Russell Wilson are what the Broncos have lacked since Peyton Manning. And I don't mean a star quarterback who everyone knows his name. I mean a true consummate professional who lives, breathes, eats, and craps football. That's Russell Wilson. He might have a busy schedule. He might be married to an R&B superstar, legend, whatever, singer. But he is all about football. That's all he thinks about. That's all he craves. It's all he wants, desires. from when he wakes up to when he goes to sleep. It's all about football for Russell Wilson, and that rubs off. If you're on a quarterback like that, that rubs off on you. You want to be better. You want to play harder for him. Conversely, you have a quarterback like Drew Locke turning the ball over, mostly in in dumbfounding ways, or a, a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater that has no visible emotion and won't tackle the player to prevent a touchdown. Remember that, guys? That actually happened last year. Who wants to play for someone like that? Who wants to play for Vic Fangio or sleepy Pat Shermer up in the booth? No one. No one. That's why the record was what it was last year. That's why the Broncos made the wholesale changes that they made. So just the intangibles, just the leadership, just the allure and the luster of Russell Wilson, that's been the biggest um, contrast. That's been the, the biggest glaring difference between him and every quarterback that's walked through that door since Peyton Manning. All right, what else do we got? What else do we got? We got the uh, we got the NBA game about to start, so I'm going to let you guys get to that. If you guys want to watch it, who y'all rooting for? Who y'all rooting for? You think Curry gets it? You think Boston gets it? Let me know. I'm going to go through some of the comments here, and then I'm going to hop off and let you guys enjoy your evening, enjoy your weekend. Uh K-Hop says Bradley Chubb gets two interceptions this year, those jump ball interceptions. I do miss Shelby Harris for his hands and his deflections because he was so clutch with those, man. Even interceptions like against the Steelers. He really was a clutch player in that regard. But Bradley, man, I don't care too much about whether it's interceptions or sacks, forced fumbles. As long as Bradley Chubb makes an impact on game day, as long as he gets after the quarterback and affects the play, I am a freaking okay with that. And I think he's going to do that. He's going to have a big year in this defense. All right. One last, one last scroll through before we call it an evening. Uh, this evening. Oh, okay. Our Butler asked who was the former Arvada high school running back. We brought in to compete. How did he do that? Would be Max Borgie. I think he was from Washington state. And honestly, can't say I was the biggest Max Borgie fan or supporter in the world, but I wrote a story about him when the Broncos first brought him in. Check it out on the website. And in watching his tape and uh, reading his measurables and what he brings to the table, his running style, you know who he, who he reminds me of a lot? Another Colorado guy, Phillip Lindsey. And you know who Max Borgie was compared to? Very loosely, very loosely as a collegian, another Colorado guy, Christian McCaffrey. Not saying he's going to be either one of them, but he has that dynamism to his game. He's a dual threat running back in the sense that he can run and catch. He has wiggle. He has explosion. He's the same kind of like not the tallest or biggest, strongest. He's not Derrick Henry for sure, but he just has that wiggle to him. And according to Outen, I might write a story about this. Max Borgie did some nice things according to Justin Outen. I don't know if those nice things mean uh, anything beyond he'll be here maybe for training camp? Because he was a an invite. He's not part of the roster. He wasn't signed. They brought him in for a tryout. And from what I know, they haven't signed him. So he might come back for training camp. He might not. But where does he fit in? That's what I'm wondering. Even if you sign Max Borgie, and I wrote this in the story, where does he fit in? You have Javante, that's your guy. You have Melvin, he's your number two. Mike Boone's on the roster. Demariet Crockett's on the roster. You have McAllister, the undrafted free agent they brought in. Where does Max Borgie fit? And if you got rid of Philip Lindsey last year, would George Payton sign pretty much a clone of Philip Lindsey? That's what I wonder. But um, if you guys can check him out, I think you would like his, uh, his highlights. He could do... Some things with the ball that uh, other running backs can't. So if they signed him, I would not, uh, I would not be the, uh, I would not cry, put it that way. And Kathy, he did, he did uh, sign a UDFA deal after the draft. He was undrafted this year, this past April. He was with them for like a month or a couple of weeks. And then he was uh, waived. So he is a uh, unrestricted free agent as of now. But that is going to do what I think, guys. A lot of you were pulling for the Warriors to win tonight. So uh, we'll see how that goes. That is going to do it, though, for the podcast tonight. Thank you so, so, so much for tuning in with me. I know it was kind of a weird show. I went over an hour, uh, but I had a lot of fun with y'all getting back to my roots in doing these solo podcasts and talking with y'all and ranting and sweating and screaming. It's been a bunch of fun. So I appreciate you tuning in with me. I I don't know. MHI, they went last night, and now they messed with the banners. I'm going to have to yell at uh, Luke Patterson for doing that. But you can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow myself on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. If you guys want some merch, I'm not wearing it. I'm a bad rep this evening. But you can go to HuddleUpPod.com, get yourself a hat, get yourself a shirt, get yourself a hoodie, get yourself a freaking baby onesie. We got so many things, all new products, HuddleUpPod.com. And also Facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page and follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest. That's me and Chad Jensen. A five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every month. But if you can't do those things, please do these three things that you see ticking below you right now. Subscribe, like, and share. This video and every video you see on the MHH channel, it really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like y'all. That is going to do it, though, guys. I appreciate the love uh, from Art Butler, from Ray, from Michael. Appreciate you guys. From Wero, Peter, Dale. Hope you're doing well, Dale. We're all thinking of you. Dylan, uh, Mr. O. Appreciate you guys. We are, this podcast, the Mile Huddle Podcast, is off until Sunday night. More than likely, I will be back on with Scott Kennedy uh, riding next to me, holding down the podcast with me, co-hosting with me. Hope y'all have a great weekend. Until then, take care. And as always, go Broncos.
1: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore.